This is Quiet Fire, a program about the spiritual life of Abraham Lincoln and its relevance to us today. Welcome. This is Duncan Newcomer. Here's a Lincoln quote for you, even though I've shortened it. Hang on. Let every American swear by the blood of the revolution never to violate the laws of the country. Let reverence for the laws be breathed by every American mother to the lisping babe that prattles on her lap. Let it be taught in schools and seminaries and in colleges. Let it be preached from the pulpit and enforced by the courts of justice. And in short, let it become the political religion of the nation. Well, this is Lincoln when he's not depressed. Nobody's ever said he was bipolar, but he's pretty high in this, his first ever major public address. And he's going to give it all he's got, and he's got a lot to give. And reverence for the law is his political religion. It is his spiritual life at that time. He's 28. He's a struggling young lawyer in the new state capital, Springfield, Illinois, 2,000 citizens, a city of dusty and muddy streets, wooden walkways, running amok pigs, horses everywhere, and great exuberance for this new nation, America, the United States, barely 50 or 60 years old, depending on how you begin counting. The situation gives the words, these uncertain times, a real ring. Not only is this new government really new, it's almost the laughing stock of the old world. Europe thinks this democracy idea is a fool's errand. This is not an errand in the wilderness with a beacon on a hill shining back freedom to the old world. It's to them a flickering candle at best and a smoke signal at worst. So Lincoln is in a pressured position as he gives this speech, which has the marvelous title, The Perpetuation of Our Political Institutions, which he has been invited to give to the prestigious town debating society called the Young Men's Lyceum. Lyceum is a word from the Roman and Greek heritage that the frontier people keep hoping to use to bless their new project. Athenaeums and Lyceums would be popular elite enclaves conclaves for the pillars, the young pillars of society. Surely there must have been a saloon down the boardwalk from the church. Often such meetings happened in churches. But the setting is even more perilous than we have allowed. Many of Lincoln's companions in the law had been fellow militia members with him in the Black Hawk War, aimed at driving the seriously beleaguered Native Americans back up into Wisconsin Territory. And worse still, it was a time when most assuredly black lives did not really matter. All up and down the Mississippi River, down in Alton, Illinois, down in Louisiana, lynchings and killings were rampant. The presidency of Andrew Jackson had released what Lincoln and his Whig Party followers called mobs, and they were threatening institutions of America with Jacksonian mobocracy against Indians and blacks. To Lincoln, this was not what America was for. The rule of law was the source of democratic government. It led to economic growth and social freedoms and stability. Now, this is where the spiritual life of Lincoln comes into play. Every one of his listeners would have known of the recent killing of the newspaper clergyman from Maine, down in Alton, Illinois, Elijah Lovejoy. Lincoln did not dare say his name for fear of arousing the abolitionist movement that Lovejoy supported. Lincoln was not that radical. So his default position is what he called political religion, love of the law, absolute total obedience to the law in every respect, 
So much so that at the end of his speech, Lincoln's saying that no one should ever even walk on the grave of George Washington, and the proud fabric, quote-unquote, of freedom should rest as the rock that has been like the Church of Christ, able to withstand the gates of hell. Well, Lincoln learned a lot in his spiritual journey, and he learned not to mix his metaphors with fabric and rock and church all rolled into one really manic, law-and-order, passionate plea. Remember, he's young. He's just starting out. He doesn't have a traditional religion. He doesn't go to the Presbyterian Church as a member. He's not a river rat either, nor just a storekeeper or day laborer taking a raft down the river. He's looking to build the life and help build the country. 27 years later, Lincoln will have a full spiritual life and message and will emphatically share with the nation in its sorrow over the Civil War and invoke love and mercy, righteousness and courage, a living God and a devotion to peace and justice among ourselves and with all nations. In the spiritual life of Lincoln, we see first fire early on, and then we see a quiet fire, where law and order now take their place, along with peace and justice, charity and righteousness, and the humility of a people who have been chastened, even punished by a living God. This is the arc of a spiritual life that can be seen in Abraham Lincoln, one in which he grows, and it can be for us, as for him, a way to live in honor down to the latest generation. This is Duncan Newcomer, and this has been Quiet Fire, The Spiritual Life of Abraham Lincoln.